Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast Genesis Review. It's over. We've got a lot to talk about. Riviera bit back today, and to join me, none other than Kyle Porter. Hey, buddy, it's been a while. I know, it has been a while. We uh, we started out doing these, what, December, January, something like that, and uh, we keep we keep missing each other. We're, we're both on here a lot, but never together, so I'm... Uh, I'm excited to be reunited. It's kind of like when when uh, Zach Johnson and and uh, and Damon Green is it Damon Green? Yeah, the the caddy. Yeah, it's like when they're gonna get to get back together in like uh, 20 years at Augusta, just reunited, happy times, talking about the old days. It'll be what, great. What will they do? The birdie dance? They'll just do that the whole time. God, that thing. I that that might need to go away. It's not. <laughs> it's not great. Well, he's on, not to derail this within the first 30 seconds of the show, but. <laughs> no, please do. Please he's do. On, he's on, he's on, uh, Sung Kang's bag. He's on somebody's bag now, right? Yeah, and he Sung, was, yes, Sung okay. Kang. I, I saw him doing a lot of birdie dances this week. Uh, so it all, it all comes together. Sung Kang finished second. We'll talk about him. Yeah, you, Sung Kang, you're like, he pops up on Saturday and you're like, is that, is that Damon Green walking across the 18th at Riviera? <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely wild. Uh, well. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about Riviera because it was biting back all week and most certainly bit back today. Three under 68, the lowest score out there, available only to three golfers. How do we feel? Uh, I personally, spoiler alert, enjoy this, an 11 under winning score. It was awesome. I mean, I thought it was so good. And you saw 72 average on uh, on Sunday uh, was easily the highest of the week. I just thought... I mean, it, look, like everybody knows Riviera is just, is, is so good and so classic. And it, and it, and it felt like you had to play, it just felt like you had to play the type of, uh, of championship golf that's needed to win a, an event like that. And, you know, I think we get into this rut of like, oh, 20 under, 25 under, uh, so and so shot a 63. It's like, well, what does that mean? Is that like a real 63? Or I, I just think, you know, you go out and shoot. You know, we saw 64 from Adam Scott on third, on uh, Friday. We saw it from Hideki on Saturday. Those are like, that's like a real number. And, you know, great courses separate these fields. And I, and I think you saw separation, uh, with the best players over the weekend. And I, I thought it was awesome. I like it when a guy can make the cut on the number like Hideki did and go out and shoot a 64 and he's right back in the thick of it. Yeah. And it's not the American Express where if you go out and shoot six under par, you're losing ground on the field or at least on the leaders. And there was really no gimmicks out there. I mean, this was not, uh, you know, we're in the midst of the whole, you know, the, the distance report and our, you know, do golf court, are they getting too long is, you know, everything that's going on into this and, and how do you make courses harder for these players? Uh, well, here's a course that had perfect weather every single day, uh, no gimmicks and it's just well designed and difficult. 
Yeah, and it's pin positions too. You know, you look at, uh, I mean, look at five where the tournament kind of turned. I mean, yeah. that pin position back left, you can go after it. And, and if you miss it, it's, it's going to turn into a double or triple like we saw with Adam Scott and Rory. There was a pin. I think it was, uh, it was on the back nine, uh, 13 or 14 was also back left. And you saw Adam Scott hit a, hit a, just a sweet draw into there. Uh, and he didn't really take it on, but he kind of did. And he just, the risk reward there, and it and it's obviously it, it sort of uh, metastasizes with with ten, right? That's that's the one that, that's the right. famous one that everybody knows. But that's that's just emblematic of of what the entire course is like is yep. is risk reward, uh, playing angles, and I mean, man, it makes for just incredibly enjoyable uh, viewing experience if if you're watching it on TV. When I saw the pin sheet, uh, come out, I guess it was last night, PGA Tour, you know, tweeted it out. I was like, oh my gosh, these guys are in for it on some of these holes. But, like, this is, this is going to be deadly. And we saw it. We saw it today. Um, Adam Scott hoists the trophy. This is going to be his first. Well, I, he unofficially won here in 20, in 2005, right? But his last PGA Tour win was the 2016 WGC Cadillac. Uh, played awesome, right? I mean, he goes out, he goes, he's one over after Thursday, he shoots a 64 on Friday, and then he's able to hold on to it over the weekend in, again, these really difficult conditions. I remember that great, uh, 2016 WGC down in Mexico that, uh, he won. No, I'm kidding. It was a Doral. I don't Doral. remember anything about it. Was a, oh, yeah. It was a Doral. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. He, but it, it shows up as like he won a Mexico championship. That's right. Adam Scott's like, I've never been to Mexico, so. Right. Uh, no, he, he was great. Look, I, I tweeted this out right before we came on. He, in my head, he's won Riviera like seven times. I mean, he, he plays great there. He's finished in the top, I think 11, uh, three out of his last four times. He's just, you know, I think, I don't know. You, you forget about him. He gets a little lost in all this. I think part of it, he doesn't play a ton. He's not out doing all these commercials. He's not, he's just not as, omnipresent as some of these other guys and you're like oh yeah adam scott's like one of the four best ball strikers in the world and i thought what was impressive rick is he, so he goes 64 67 on friday saturday he kind of held it together with his putter on sunday i mean he was like 15th or 20th in the field and putting on sunday i thought his hole of the day was at six he bounces back bounces from the back. double yeah. makes a two and he didn't trail the rest of the way yeah, that adversity on five. So <laughs> Greg Ducharme and I, we were on CBS Sports HQ this morning. We were literally getting off air, like as the leaders are coming down five and we're like, Oh, Rory's got this. Adam Scott's got this, whatever, yeah. whatever. And it is like train wreck city five minutes later as Adam Scott goes double on five. Rory ends up making a triple there. But to your point, yeah, that it was wide open. Like that's when I was like, Holy crap. Like Harold Varner the third could win this. Russ Henley might get hot and win this. Like I have no idea. Who's going to come out of this? And it ends up being Adam Scott, which I think is a really big testament to, yeah, that, that sixth hole, um, to hit a good shot in there and make a birdie on a, a, right immediately after making double is huge. Yeah, it, it, it really was. And then he goes, so he, he bounces back with the birdie. He doesn't make another bogey until 15. And by that point, he was, he, he was kind of in control of the tournament. And then obviously he puts the nail in the coffin on 17 and, and that's a wrap. But, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, look, like he finished, I think, third in the field, tee to green. You do that at Riviera, you're, you're going to be in the mix if you just putt just average. And, um, yeah, he was, he was really good. It's, it's crazy to me that he hasn't won in four years, huh? 
It's really weird, and I kind of want to put this into a historical perspective a little bit. This is his 14th PGA Tour victory. So the only active players with more than that right now are Furyk, who has 17. Wait, what can I guess? Please do. I gave you one, Furyk. <laughs> is it on the? It's. I'm not looking at the rundown, but uh, okay. So f- I wouldn't have gotten Furyk. So thanks for that. Uh, Rory's got 18. TJ's got 20. Yep. Phil's got 43. Are we counting VJ Singh with like 33? And then Tiger's no. got 82. Is that it? That's the that's the list. You got okay. it. Okay. Uh, you you are worth uh your weight in gold, sir. Yeah. So but like <laughs> but like that is that's a pretty great list of golfer like historic like you're right people i don't think adam's like when i think of adam scott i'm like he looks good his swing looks good like whatever i i don't know but like he is legitimately in in a a great place in golf lore yeah he is you know i i think it's hard because I think you think about the meltdown at Lytham. You yeah. think about like, should he have won more majors? Like he, he contends. It feels like at every U.S. Open. I mean, he's just, he's so solid there because those are just, you know, ball striking fiestas and that's his, that's his bread and butter. Um, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird to like dock somebody because they should have won more, <laughs> even though they've won 14 times. Right. Uh, but yeah, he's, I mean, look, he's had an awesome career and I just, I love watching him swing the golf club. I love watching him from tee to green because it's so, it, and, and this goes back to the distance thing, right? Like if, if you gave those guys wooden sticks and featheries, like Adam Scott would win every week. And if he didn't, then Rory would win because <laughs> he just finds the center of the club face every time. And you know, he's somebody who I think, along with Tiger, along with Rory, has been they've been hurt by some of the equipment stuff. And you know, I I, I wonder how much I wonder how how you can't do it, but alternate universe, what would his career look like if you know you still had to square it up every single time to uh, to get it to go where you wanted? What would his career look like if he didn't have to move away from the anchor anchor putter? <laughs> yeah, that too. I, I mean, mean yeah. He feels like he lost three years in there or something like that. Well, to his credit, I, I feel like he, he finished pretty high in putting last year. I, I've, I've got him pulled up right here. He, uh, so let's see. So far this year, in terms of putting, he is 10th on tour. And last year he was 31st. Mm. So if, Ad, if Adam Scott's 31st, he was fourth tee to green overall, uh, overall and then third in strokes gained overall. I mean, he had a really quietly good 2019 and uh, he, you know, he didn't see a win, but he kind of rolled that into a win early in 2020. Yeah. And 2020 year of the Aussies, apparently, because now we've got Cam Smith, Mark Leishman, Lucas Herbert and Adam Scott all winning already this year. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't even, I didn't even, you know where else they play well? Honda, Mexico. I was going to say Augusta. Augusta. <laughs> that would make more sense. I, I look one week ahead at a time. That is literally it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about the uh, Australian Honda Classic crossover <laughs> I was there. Just like, I, well, you know what I did is I said, what's the next tournament? And I accidentally forgot there was the Mexico next week. And I was Because I'm going to be at Honda. And I was like, Honda. like Just like my immediate reaction to it is like someone's going to win at Honda the next time I see golf. But yeah, uh, yeah, Augusta would be a pretty good one. They do play well there, don't they? In Baker Finch just owned PGA National and the Honda Classic, I think. Now it, it's yeah, it's been a good year for 
for a lot of those guys. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't know what Adam Scott's odds are following this tournament, but I think before, like, going into this this uh, this week, he was probably, I don't know, 40-1 to 1 to win the Masters, 50-1, to 1, something like that. And if you could have gotten him on that number, you can't do that anymore. But if you could have gotten him on that number, that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, certainly rounding into form. But let's talk about these, the other two in the final group, Matt Kuchar and Rory McIlroy. We'll start with Cooch, who, you know, this was a weird situation. I kind of ping-ponged back and forth on Kuchar, who was the leader after all three of the first rounds. And I was thinking, you know, if he can just stay out in the lead, um, hit his fairways, hit his greens, not have to really put his foot on the gas and make a bunch of birdies, because that's not really Kuchar's style. I thought he was going to be okay. And things kind of got loose for him today, and he just was never able to to really get it back. Yeah, I mean, it kind of went the way that you, you sort of thought it would go for him. I mean, it just it, – it's hard because he's so – the thing that's difficult with him, he's so consistent and the floor is so high. It's just top – I mean, you look at uh, – he's got the same number of top fives in his career as uh, as Rory. They showed that graphic at the end of Saturday. Of course, he's also played in like – five more tournaments yeah. or five times, five times. <laughs> right. Um, but the floor is high. You just don't trust it. Like when everybody's getting after it on the back nine on Sunday. And that's a weird thing. I, I don't totally know. I mean, I guess he's his own category. You just sort of categorize it as like, I mean, this is what, you know, I, I kind of joked about how like they introduced him as the bronze medalist on the first tee. That's I like, heard that. that's like, so like the the perfect way for him to be introduced into these events uh cuz you know backdoor top 10s and yeah. backdoor bronze medals and all this stuff so it's weird like i never I, I at no point during this week was i like man you know what matt kuchar's going to win this golf tournament and yet he was leading almost until the very end and I don't know. I don't, I, I don't really know what to do with that. How do you kind of reconcile those two things? I, I mean, I was waiting for it to come crashing down because he gained like nine and a half strokes putting this week. Yeah. And I was like, there's no way. I mean, Denny McCarthy, who is putting expert, is the only guy in the field who, who gains more than him <laughs> this week. And I was like, this is all going to fall apart. Like Kuchar's, Kuchar's done here and he still gained almost two strokes putting today, like in, in the final round on Sunday. So it's like he, he did the exact same thing all week. He just, he literally just came up short is the way that I look at it. Yeah. I mean, it's honestly, dude, it's tough to gain nine and a half strokes and not win the tournament. I, I bet you, I bet you I can go find. Yeah. There's two, it, it doesn't happen often. Two different guys did it this week. Yeah. Denny McCarthy, almost nine full strokes lost Tita Green. That is not going to do it. If you go double digits both ways, like if you're going double digits gained in one category and lost in the other, that's that's insane. That's like a historical week. Rory McIlroy, let's talk about him. Yeah, we do, we we're dropping Denny McCarthy before we go <laughs> Rory. We're gonna lose our jobs here. All right, Rory McIlroy pays the bills. Let's talk about Rory. Um, you know when you are tied for the lead uh, going into Sunday. I don't know. Rory Rory should win that golf tournament like 35% of the time, right? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, his day to golf was like 33%. Yeah. Oh, wow. There we go. Okay, there so he, he goes out, he birdies one, and then the disaster at five, which we talked about, which was the triple, he does the doesn't bounce back and makes a bogey on six. So he plays those two holes, four over par, and then it just looked like he was – 
uh, I don't know. He was cooked. It just, it never came back for him. I think he made one birdie late in the round or he made one on 18. He made one on 11, but really nothing else of note here on the back. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's tough because you're like, it, it's so hard. You, you go out and you play great for 71 holes or 70 holes and you have a triple and it just, it just takes you out of it. You know, he, he was, uh, let's see here, fourth in the field from Tita Green on the week. Putted fine. He finished, uh, 44th. He was about even, you know, mm. didn't really, didn't really gain or lose. But he, you know, to, to compound the triple, he makes bogey at six. And then he had birdies at like nine, uh, 10, made one at 11, but then he, he had another one at either 12 or 14. And they, he just, they just weren't there. He just, he just wasn't making them. And, then he gets the one on 18. I, it felt like fifth was like the worst he could have finished, which is exactly where he finished. And I, I you know, it's disappointing because you, you want to see guys like that put the pedal down on Sunday and it just save bogey there, you know, just somehow get, uh, you get a five out of it on, on the fifth hole. And you're still like, you still kind of have control of the tournament. And he just didn't do that. And, and to make a triple, to recover from a triple that late in the event, it's just, it's hard to do. Yeah, I was really looking forward to this. You know, we had, we had the big boys up in the final group and I was, I was super excited about it. You're, you're right. I would have just liked to have seen even, even so. Yeah. He makes one of those putts on, I think it was like 14 or something like that. He makes one of those. You can at least put a little pressure on Adam Scott, who if he, if he starts staring down four and five footers down the stretch, they become a lot more difficult when Rory is breathing down your neck as opposed to like Sung Kang or Scott Brown, who's out there trying to post a number. <laughs> poor, poor Sung Kang. We're just <laughs> We're dragging him, up. him on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. And you know, I, I don't know. Greg was talking about this on our, on our, uh, our pregame show, just about how like, you know, you, you look back and it was kind of this time last year, everybody's writing that what's wrong with Rory in the final round. And then he goes out and wins like four times the rest of the year. I, I don't, I don't know that I ever was really like way in on the final round stuff. I think there was some of it that was true and that was real. Um, do you, do you, did you feel like any of that played in today? No. I mean, uh, golf's hard, and this this it's not like he was the only guy at Riviera to come in to over par today, right? I mean, this this place was absolutely biting back, and it's okay. This this like one bad hole thing with Rory is something that I kind of think about all the time because I'm a truther. I'm a Rory Open Championship truther that he was like best in the field for like 34 and a half holes last year, and he missed the cut. Because if you remember, he go he puts his first ball out of bounds, um, makes an eight or whatever he made in uh to on Thursday, and then he shoots like the round of the day on Friday and still misses the cut. Like he he just has like this one bad hole, and Rory like ninety nine point nine percent of the holes he plays is like the best player on the face of the earth. Well, and I think that's why he talks about you know I I don't know how much you read some of the Paul Kimmage interviews, but he talks about like being mentally just like stealing, like just trying to steal strokes on some of these holes where he would have like either checked out or um you know kind of rolled over and and made double or whatever but like like fighting back on those holes because i mean i go back to this with him at the masters you look at it, it was this was a couple years ago but for like three or four straight years he had one nine hole stretch where he would shoot 40 he would right. shoot 39 and then it just 
it takes you completely out of it to where you're playing, you're, you're, you're having to play a different game. You're not playing the same game that you normally play. And so for him mentally, if, if he is able to, and, and I, I don't, I don't know. I didn't see what he said about five, about, uh, the fifth hole today. I don't know how much of that was mental. It, it seemed like the shot he hit into five was from a weird spot. It was, it was in the, like the, the coverage gap and there was, there was a lot going on. So I, I don't totally know what happened there, but. Yeah, you you just can't put yourself in position to make triple and then have to fight back all day because that's not that's not the position that he operates out of. He operate I mean he thrives when he's leading, when he's front running, when he's just burying people and uh he he couldn't do that on Sunday obviously. So you know who tried to jump up and scare Rory and scare these guys at the top is Dustin Johnson who, you know, Kyle as as that train wreck was going on on 5, I was like, "Holy crap, DJ's just going to like come up and win this thing." Yeah. And you know, he goes 66-67 in the second and third rounds. He didn't really bookend it with much, but like DJ's always in contention and he's just going to go out and win Mexico next week, right? I know by like <laughs> 10 or something. I thought yeah. he kind of, I thought he kind of rolled over on the back nine. Does he, do, he, okay. Like where in the tour does he rank on like, like he does that more than most, I feel like. Well, part of it is his demeanor. So it's, yeah, it we, looks, we'll never know. <laughs> yeah. It looks like he does it more than most. But uh, so if I'm looking at the back nine, so he was two over on the back nine on Sunday. Um, he lost two. Here's here's the thing that frustrates me, is he lost two strokes to the field on his approach shots, 1.75 uh, on his approach shots on the back nine on Sunday, and it's like, you, is that because you're taking too many risks? It didn't seem like it. Maybe, maybe that was the case. Maybe maybe he's going at pins that he shouldn't be going at. But but the way the tournament was sort of unfolding, he didn't need to do that. He just needed to. Uh, I mean, the play, play it the way he played the front nine. He goes out and one under, uh, no bogeys, just kind of doing DJ stuff. And then he just, a five on 13, a five on 15. I know 15's playing tough, but I just wanted something more out of that to, to par 17. It just seems so weak coming home. I'm going to kind of, this is going to be really corny and I'm going to wrap this in with Hideki as well, but like this week on tour, I really mean this every single week, but this week specifically, literally every hole and every shot mattered. Like DJ makes three straight bogeys on four, five, and six in round one, and like yeah. that's the tournament, right? And and Hideki makes the cut on the number, shoots a sixty-four or sixty-nine, and and he he finishes in a tie for fifth. Like it was the margins are so razor thin that if and this is what I what I like about your guy Jordan Speed is he never takes a single hole off. He never does. He grinds every single hole and like I would love to see it if a lot of these guys had kind of that same like I, like I it's Thursday afternoon. I might really need this on Sunday. I think at this point it's every single hole is grinding Jordan uh, true. into into <laughs> it's grinding him back. <laughs> but you're right. Like I think I think what's cool about Riviera is you know I'm watching on Sunday and and throughout the week and you're you're always kind of on edge. Uh, and, and again, it goes back to some of these pin placements. I mean, my gosh, like I keep going back to five, but the, the spot that it was in on the, on the back left, you're like, God, what, where do I hit it? Like, do I need, like, can I get any spin on it? I need to be over here. Like that is, it, it, it felt like somebody on the broadcast mentioned this and they were, they were talking about it in relation to the score. I think it was Nance 
he said he felt like a U.S. Open had had kind of broken out, and I felt like that too, but not not because of the scores, more so because of how precise and how decisive you had to be with uh with your shot selection into these greens. And I and I think that gets at what you're referencing is like it's all risk reward. This is Andy Johnson fried egg stuff. Like if you're if you're going at pins, you're going to be rewarded. Uh, because you're taking a big risk. And if you, if you fail, you're going to pay a big penalty, like we saw Adam Scott and Rory do on five. So because of that, it always feels like things are a little bit on edge, but it always means the tournament is kind of hanging in the balance because anybody can, can get on a run, uh, for any given amount of time, uh, at, you know, in any of these rounds. Yeah, it's really true. And what I thought was going to happen, cause I, I, I jumped in and bet him at 66 to one this morning is I was waiting for Bryson to jump up and steal this mm. one. <laughs> because before the round, he was like, you know, one of the top five guys in T to green. He was still losing like a shot and a half putting. And I was like, you know what? He hasn't had his low round yet. Like if he goes out and shoots something real, and I didn't know it was only going to be a 68 that was available today. Or like if he would have shot a 67, something like that. But I was like, if he goes out and shoots something really low, low like he's in play here so new bryson buff bryson uh ties for fifth awesome off the tee awesome on approaches awesome around the green looked really really good do you uh do you know who shot the three best rounds of the day i know Cantley was one of them yeah three I, under um oh man i saw it earlier was scott brown one of them scotty brown three under i don't know the third uh von taylor <laughs> uh Possibly still sponsored by Michelob. Possibly, yeah. we we'd never, we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so Bryson, yeah, Bryson was like, oh yeah, I actually forgot he was playing in the tournament. Um, <laughs> so he goes 68, 70, 69, 69. He he just he never really he kind of popped up at the end. You know, I, it killed him because. He made bogey at uh, 12 and then 15. He had an eagle at 11, and you're like, okay, he's yeah. eight under. There's seven holes left, and then he goes two bogeys in the next four holes. And so the, the birdies at the end were a little bit uh, kind of fake news, I guess, uh, in terms of, like, whether he could win the tournament. But, uh, yeah, he played he played really well. He played really consistently throughout the week. I, I would imagine there's not many guys that were 70 or better in all four days. I, I was just thinking who has four rounds under par, and I'm looking at the – I'm just glancing through, and I can't find anybody here. Um, he was second on the week uh, from tee to green, by the way, 57th in putting. Not good. I was there on Thursday. I was at Riviera on Thursday, and I was standing next to him on, like, 3T or whatever, and the guy is freaking yoked, man. See, so like Mike Trout? Yeah, he's like his his neck is like the size of my thigh. It's unbelievable. <laughs> What's your what was your favorite hole, by the way? Uh, I mean, ten's easy. Um, I like what is it like uh, four or five where the, the like the the fairway runs out up there and then they got to hit down into what is that like four or five? Yeah, um, yeah, is awesome because you can stand by the green and watch those guys come down and it's like a kind of a blind tee shot for them. They can't really see where their ball ends up and it's just like. And then, or it's got to be five because then it goes to six T, and then you can watch them tee off six. Like that's that that to me was a great little corner. I, I agree. I think in person six is is really cool. Uh, I think ten's better on TV because ten's weird in person. You almost yeah. can't get close enough to experience it. No, because you have to be behind eleven T. Eleven T is right behind ten, so you have to be behind that. So like you can't, you really can't get that close to it. You're right. It's it is better for television. Yeah, and eighteen obviously is is pretty cool. Awesome. 
All right, here's what we're going to do. We've got some guys who were a disappointment, and we've got to review, uh, fortunately for you, the one-and-done results. But before we do that, let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. All right, we're back, Kyle. Uh, we've got a couple of disappointments. They're on the disappointment list here, are guys that did not finish as highly as we would have expected. Uh, let's start with John Rahm. Not necessarily a bad week. I mean, a T17 in a field stacked with nine of the top 10 players in the world and whatever number out of the top 50, like T17, that, if that's going to be your floor, which it seems like it's been, I, I don't have the, I don't have the rankings up, but I bet you this is Rahm's worst finish since what? I don't know. U.S. Open? Well, I missed the cut at the Dunhill links. In that doesn't November. count. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was T3 at the U.S. Open. It's been a long time since he's had, uh, I mean, he honestly, like one of his worst tournaments, I think, uh, he might have been like T10 at the Tournament of Champions. He was. I'm just rolling through his OWGR page in my, in my head. You know what? Here, here's the thing though, Rick, about him. The thing that's been a little like con- concerning for me of late is that he's had, uh, so he didn't play, well, I guess he played Phoenix. I can't remember that one, but at Farmers, when he has a chance to win, he has like this all-time putting week. Like he yeah. was awesome with his putter that week. He does it again at Riviera this week. He was fifth in the field in putting. If somebody like Rom is fifth in the field. They should be, they should be like, if not winning, then at least contending. Some of this T to green stuff is, is a little like just something to keep an eye on. It's not like I'm not concerned. I'm not you know, worried about it, but it's something that you're like, eh, I don't know. Like he's 46 this week from T to green. It was kind of the same number. I think at farmers, some of that is, uh, is kind of interesting going into kind of the heart of the season. Yeah, it is interesting. I didn't realize, uh, kind of how bad he was T to green, uh, lost, a half a shot over four rounds. He lost a shot and a half on approach, which is a little, a little nerve wracking. That's not a good sign because that's something that usually uh, is pretty sticky week over week. And to see that from one of the top players in the world. Yeah. It's not alarm bells, but it's like, Ooh, let's keep an eye on that. He's probably, he's probably, you know, just out of sorts with those Adidas shirts that, that everybody's what is that? wearing. I, I, it's the worst. It, it looks like the, uh, it looks like the, you know, the pennies that you used to wear in, uh, in like, <laughs> in like, yeah, middle school basketball, but they were yeah, like weird class. colors. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. It's, I mean, who did it look like? I, I mean, I guess I would vote Sergio for who I least wanted to see wear it, but it was, it was not good all the way around. Yeah, like, I'm not going to tell John Rom to his face it doesn't look good. I'm going <laughs> to like tell you over this podcast it doesn't look good. <laughs> All right. Uh, someone else I would not say anything to their face is Brooks Kepka, mm. um, who, you know, three over today, 74. He played well yesterday in the third round, 68. Um, he made six birdies at one point. I'm trying to think, was that the first round he went out and he made like, maybe it was the second round. Yeah, he had the most colorful scorecard in the world with six birdies in the second round. I, I, like, I think those are all good signs. If you're out there making birdies, making eagles, putting yourself out, he just has to like kind of tighten up 
all these bad holes, and I think he's going to take some time to round into shape here. Yeah, I thought the the statistical profile for him was good. You know, he was he was solid from tee to green. He wasn't like elite, but it wasn't in like the worrisome range. His, his struggles were. I watched him. Uh, I was watching him. I think he was on Friday. Finished up on eighteen, and he three putted so from like ten feet so nonchalantly that I I thought. I thought I was watching like you know how they have that practice green up by the clubhouse yeah. like beyond I thought he I thought that's what he was doing and I was like oh he's like he's actually on 18 like it was <laughs> I've never like actual round <laughs> it, it was unbelievable I've never seen somebody that nonchalant about a three putt from such a short distance so he's obviously in uh non major mode for him uh yeah I I thought all things considered I thought it was a pretty good showing I have no idea what to make out of Jordan Spieth. Uh, we could spend, we could do a 10 part documentary mini series on like, I have no idea. It's so weird. Okay. So he finishes T59, loses two shots off the tee, loses five on approach, gains five around the green and loses one putting. Kyle Porter, what the heck? I, I, I don't know. I mean, even if you look at his card, he eagles, uh, one, but, or, yeah, he eagles one both days on the weekend. Uh, he doubles eight and ten. He's got bogeys all over the, I mean, he's just, like, his, his statistics and his cards look like what I imagine is going on in his head right now, which is not, <laughs> which is just all over the place. You know, I, I really, I, I think I've convinced myself that he, something had clicked for him a little bit at Pebble on Sunday just because, the ball striking was really good and it was in a, it was in really windy conditions. It was, it was, it was a difficult day and he hit it great. And then he comes into this week and 54th from tee to green. Uh, it was terrible on Sunday. I just, I am 66th in, in approach shots. I mean, that's just, that's like the opposite of, of how you need to be contending. And that's where he's lived. I mean, he's making cuts because his short game is like, I mean, it's Aaron Badley-esque. It's it's unbelievable right now. But this is just not a form. It's a formula to like, you know, a guy like trying to hang on and keep his card, not for somebody who's trying to contend for big time events. I'm looking at just kind of his his strokes gain broken down by category over the last I don't know 20 tournaments or so. And you kind of mentioned like when you get into double digits of strokes gained in any cat, like that's that's historical. But like, okay. Jordan routinely gets into like the fours and fives in both directions, which is like a pretty huge range. But the concerning part is it's completely different categories every time. I know. Like I know. he'll, he'll gain four around the green one week. He'll lose six at the next week. Then he'll gain five uh, on approach at pebble and he'll lose five this week. Like that to me is someone like, like leaking oil would be a compliment. I, that's just like, there's so, so many holes in his game I don't even know what they'd be working on to fix because it's everything. Gushing oil. I mean, I don't, I don't know yeah. what's, what's beyond that. I think, you know, I watch him play. So some of this stuff, you have to marry it with, you know, what am I, what am I seeing also? Not just, and golf, I, I think is so in a good way. Like it's so numbers based. It's so statistical, statistically driven. But then I, I watch him and, what I'm watching matches up with what I see on paper. And what I mean by that is like, it looks, it looks so complicated for him right now. It looks even like, even when he makes birdie or like when he makes a par, it just looks like 
monu like a monumental feat. And then you watch Rory and you're like, it looks like he shoot, could shoot 64 every day. Now, not that he will, not that he does, but it, it just the way, and, and some of that is the way Spieth comes across, even when he was playing great. Oh, he yeah. came across as like angsty and just so difficult. I, 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 I'm sure I, I think I called him neurotic at one point because just like he like everything's like it's just weird, right? Like he's talking through every single aspect of everything, and like yeah. it's like it's, it's a conspiracy against him, but it kind of works for him. Like I don't know, it it worked for a long time, and now it looks like it's the crazy side of it. Yeah, and so and so it goes to both extremes. When you're playing bad, it just it looks worse than it actually is, probably. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he he just again the tee to green stuff has to improve or he's not going to be contending for anything. All right. You know what's bad now is with the new PGA Tour leaderboard, the way that they rank golfers is so. I, if if I remember correctly, before you'd have everyone who made the cut and their score, and then below them you'd have all of the cut golfers, and now it just does it on raw score and tiger woods is literally dead last in this field coming in at 11 under yeah and uh <laughs> kind of by a by a margin i mean palmer was uh, ryan palmer was 10 under or <laughs> 10 over that was one hole and the, yeah that was one hole and then there were three guys at eight one guy at six and everybody else was four over or better so he was in a group of what is that six guys that were that were really really bad, especially on the weekend. I mean, his weekend, seventy six, seventy seven. I go back to his putter on on uh, Saturday. That's Terrible. as that's as bad as I've seen maybe anybody putt. Now I get it. They show more of him on TV. We see a lot of the bad stuff that we don't see with other guys. He Rick. He was not even like. It, it, it wasn't even in the same like ballpark as, as, I mean, he wasn't even scaring the hole from like 12 feet. It was, it was like bizarre what, what I was watching. Did you notice that? Yeah. He was missing like six footers by 18 inches, like left and right, <laughs> which is almost, that's like, it could have been my highlight. Like if I was wearing black pants and a red shirt or whatever, like it, it was, yeah. And, and, and it's not just the eye test. It, it is literally the stats too. I mean, he lost. Two strokes putting in round two. He lost like five in that third round that you're talking about. And he lost another something like two today. He was eight strokes in the negative over the course of the last four days. Yeah, 62 putts taken on the weekend. And, you know, I go back to – uh I actually go back to the second round. He made – this is almost impossible to do. He made – on his second nine, he made 14 putts, and they totaled 15 feet 7 inches. Which is, is unbelievable. But, you know, it was something different every day. He drove it terribly on Thursday. Uh, his iron play on Friday was, was miserable. I mean, some of his wedge shots on Friday were, were bad. And, uh, you know, we didn't see a ton of him on Sunday, but, uh, his iron play on Sunday was actually even worse than it was on, on Friday. And I don't know. I mean, I'm, it's not, I, I don't get super worked up about it in the, short term like looking ahead to players in Augusta because we saw some of this last year he missed yeah. a cut at the PGA looked terrible then finished his top 10 at Memorial and you're like is he going to win the U.S. Open but I do think it speaks to sort of his long-term viability of like uh he's just not going to be able to play as much as he would like to or used to because weeks like this are going to happen the question for me is can you manage it to keep it from happening in major weeks? Can you keep it from happening at Wingfoot? Can you keep it from happening during the Open Championship? And I think that's the part that he doesn't totally know how to control right now. 
So he's going to get some rest. He's going to take off. He's not going to play in Mexico next week. I assume he's not going to play Honda. We're going to see him next at API. Yeah, That's probably be right. Probably API and then and then players and then match play and then masters. Is that the? I, I would think that's the slate. Yeah, it's probably got to be it, right? Because because yeah, he had success at Valspar, but if you try to squeeze that in again, he's playing too much. I mean, it's just no. I think that is the most logical schedule for him over the next four starts. Yeah, he didn't play API last year, but that was because he had like a it was something weird, like a stiff neck or something. So. In my mind, I'm kind of replacing him playing Mexico with him playing uh, API this year, and I I, th- I think he will. I mean, I I can't imagine that he wouldn't. So that'll be a that'll be a heavy two week stretch with API and then and then Players Championship. This is the section of the show where you get to uh, tout a little bit, get to toot your own horn because we're gonna do the one and done update. Kyle yeah. Porter, yeah, who I feel picked good. the winner. Adam Scott and it earned you 1.6 million points. Congratulations. I feel good. I'm up, uh, <laughs> you got, you got, I'm, I'm up, what is that, 5x your score? Hey, 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 don't worry about that. We'll get that, we'll get down to the, we'll get down there. Don't worry about my score. You know, I, I, uh, I did this during, uh, Phoenix. I picked Corey Connors and at the time I was like, I need to, I need to switch this to, to Webb. Um, and I didn't, and I should have because Webb won. And then this week I pick Adam Scott and I'm like, ah, oh, I want to switch this to Patrick Cantlay. I really want to switch it. And I'm so glad that I didn't because somebody who did pick, oh, you picked Patrick Cantlay. Me, me, me and Mark did. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a great pick because he finished what? T17. Yeah, 127,000. I didn't know he was gonna, uh, have surgery on his deviated septum coming. I would have, I would have known the guy can't breathe. I wouldn't have picked him. What is, that sounds like he's gonna be out for like five years. What, what is, what is a deviated septum? I thought it was something in your nose. I think, I, I think he snores a lot. Right? Oh, okay. That yeah, that's snoring. That makes sense. Like you have to wear one of those masks or whatever. Yeah, it's probably, you see, he probably doesn't get much sleep. He probably comes very tired to the course and then he can't play, he can't putt. So it's like, well, you know, it's all connected. Is, this is the research you need to be doing for your one and done league. Yeah, I'm, I'm clearly not going deep enough. That's the problem. <laughs> no, I was, uh, I felt good about, I didn't feel great about Adam Scott after round one and then he just lights it up on, yeah. on Friday, Saturday and I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I feel good. I'm uh there's only two people above a million and I'm at 2.1. So, what 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 will win this? Like what's what's the number we need to get to? Uh I'm thinking like 13 million. Okay. Yeah, so you're like five one fifth or one sixth of the way there. Something okay. like that. That's good. I can I'm going to need I'm going to need to bank a couple wins. I'm currently in uh dead last, only slightly behind Mark Immelman though. So I will at least try to not finish in 7th out of 7. I'll try to pass Mark at some point. Yeah, Mark comes in like uh like Bryson, like acting like he reinvented yeah. the, the entire game and then he goes uh he's only had 3 people make the cut. So tough tough week for Mark. He was telling us how he slayed Rob Bolton in the the PGA Tour one and done. He's the man. This is like this is like Bryson comparing himself to George Washington. <laughs> or like when remember when Patrick Reed said he was a top five player in the world? That's yeah. like this situation. Yeah, that was at the WGC Mexico championship that was yet to be played in Mexico for like five maybe, years. Maybe we'll get someone else declaring that they are a top five player in the world this or next week. Kyle Porter. You can get him on Twitter at 
Porter, CBS, anything you'd like to say before we head out tonight? No, it's just, uh, I, I hope that, uh, I hope Zach Johnson and Damon Green are able to, uh, to crack 90 here in 20 years, just like you and I were today, reunited. I hope we get to do this again soon. <laughs> Me too. Uh, if you like what you've heard, Go ahead, leave us a rating, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Rick Gaiman. You can get me on Twitter at Rick Run Good. And we'll talk to you next time.